0: All right, psychology nerds, and welcome to a special super-duper crossover episode between psychology and stuff and high school psych for life, a brand new podcast. And my co-host today yes. is Dana Malone. Dana, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing really, really well. Um, so we are actually at the Excellence of in Psychology Instruction Conference. I named it. I should probably know the name of it. But it's Epic. Epic. Epic, yeah, yeah so, that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, here at UW-Green Bay. Um, This uh, has been a really great day, and we just came out of a really, what I thought was a really great session that I actually am going to want to spend a little time talking about here. But um, so I guess, will you start out by just kind of introducing yourself to listeners? Your listeners obviously know who you are, but psych and stuff listeners might not. My listeners,
1: though, like I've been saying, I think are pretty much just my mom. And then I found out my mom doesn't know how to work podcasts, so I'm not Uh, sure anyone's listening, but... um, I've been listening. Good, I'm glad. Um, (laughs) I've been listening, so those are the two hits then that I've been getting. So yeah, my name is Dana Malone. Um, I teach at Kennedy High School in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I've taught in the district for about 16 years, so I've taught there quite a while, and I have taught AP Psych since the beginning. So I have been teaching psychology in various forms, but I've taught AP Psych every single year of my Mm -hmm. career. Even the one year that I took off from teaching, I ended up as a sub in an AP Psych classroom long term, so I've really been at it um, for a really, really long time.
0: Okay. So how did, uh, I want to hear about your origin story uh, as, because, and you touch on this, at least in your first episode, I know that, that you were someone who majored in psychology. So tell me how, I guess, start with where you went to school and, and kind of what you, why you fell in love with psych and when you knew you loved psych.
1: So I had this image ever since I was a lot younger that I wanted to be an elementary school teacher or be some sort of child um, therapist, social worker, something along those lines. And so I moved to Iowa to go to college and ended up taking intro psych. I had taken a psych class in high school. It was not AP. It was okay. I it, it didn't like spark my interest, but I still kind of knew that was the direction that I wanted to go. And I ended up really loving it, but also realizing that I'm not like super fond of small children. <laughs> so that then became an issue because I made it all the way to my senior year um, and got into the kindergarten classroom and realized uh, this is not for me. And so my advisor said, well, you could teach psych, it'd be your only endorsement, and nobody will hire you. But you could, but you're probably going to end up going to grad school anyway, and you might you can student teach, and you can mm-hmm. try it, and maybe someday you can go back and get more endorsements so that someone would actually hire you as a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I student taught in Cedar Rapids um, in a high school psychology classroom. I loved it and realized this was exactly what I wanted to do and then felt very concerned because I had been told there's no possible way you're going to get a job doing just this thing. And then I got a job doing just that thing and had been doing it for um, 16 years, and I got really lucky. And I did subsequently, um, as part of my master's degree, go back and add some endorsements just Mm -hmm. in case. But I've been fairly lucky um, in that I haven't had to um, teach much else, and I really Mm -hmm. get to teach the thing that I'm super passionate about.
0: So I'm gonna need to admit that I'm naive when it comes to high school education. Uh, What describe endorsements for? How does that
1: work? So it depends on your state, right? So I can speak to Iowa, but um, ideally, if you're coming out of college and you want to teach high school social studies, you would have what's called an all social studies endorsement, so that you could teach anything in the social studies curriculum, and it's usually like 15 hours or so Mm. in all the different subject areas. So you'd have 15 hours of social and 15 hours of psych gotcha. or what have you. And I was a psych major who thought I was going to teach kindergarten or mm-hmm. um, go on to grad school and then realized, no, this teaching this high school psych thing is really cool. Um, and so I essentially was very unhirable but got lucky enough to get hired.
0: Okay. No, you um... – so you mentioned you've taught psych in various forms. Tell me what that. What are some of the other forms? What yeah. So
1: like? our district um, really values psychology, which is really awesome. So um, we have a general psych class, a semester-long general psych class. We have a semester-long social psych class, specifically focused on wow. social psychology. We have a semester-long sociology class, so not you know direct, but still in the same kind of family. And then we have AP psychology. Some of our buildings have concurrent psychology, so kids getting um, college credit um, as well. And so they also, if students have gone through all of those processes and want to take more psych, will allow students to go to the local college and take developmental or abnormal or those kinds of things as well. So they're pretty supportive of a well-rounded education.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And so I, we mentioned this off air beforehand, but I didn't actually. Psych wasn't an option for me when I was in high school; that it, it just wasn't taught at my my school, um, and it, it, I really didn't even know it was a thing. I mean, I knew that psychology was a thing, but I didn't know it was a thing to have it taught in the high schools for a very long time, you know. And um, but that's uh, so that's pretty amazing that you have all of those different options there. And
1: it's neat because our school also supports like if you have. 212 kids that want to take AP psych Mm -hmm. they're going to open up 212 you know possible you know possibilities if you have um you know 200 kids that want to take social psych or Mm -hmm. any elective not just in the sciences social sciences and social studies um they try not to limit the amount of kids like oh we're only going to have those three sections you know they really want kids to be able to get the education that they want out of their electives
0: so what are your students like as far as and I know there's A lot of answers to this question but as far as what they kind of come into the class with and what are they thinking about and and how do they leave the class you know as far as their their feelings and thoughts about psychology
1: i usually ask them somewhere in the first week um why'd you sign up for this class Mm because i want to know what she thought you were Mm going to learn in here and mental illness is at the top of the list every time Uh, and I really enjoy talking about mental illness. It's one of the um, content areas within the course that I most enjoy talking about, but I save it for the end because it is like this almost the stereotype that they think it must be all about this kind of um, diagnosis and treatment. Um, And they kind of know we're going to talk about the brain, and they kind of have some idea we're going to talk about like human behavior, but um, they don't, and we were just talking about this upstairs with the talk that we just listened mm. to they don't have an idea of it really being a science and so right. i think that that's the thing that i most want to make sure that they end up with at the mm. end of it
0: yeah i so the the talk we were just at uh, Dr. Jane Hallen and you know talking defending the psychology major which i thought was just fabulous from start to finish but i do think that is a you know it really speaks to a lot of those myths that students have coming into coming into psych classes Um, so how many of them and and where do they, how many of them go on to study psychology? Do you know, or do you have a sense for what they
1: I can maybe have a little bit of a sense? Um, I mean, I don't know, obviously for certain, but I do know a lot of them end up, if not going on to major in it, they -hmm. continue taking some sort of courses in psych because they in general, you know, find it interesting. Um, I end up hearing, though, from a lot of the students, obviously, that go on either to get into the, whatever science they get into, whether it's biology or psychology, those are the kids I tend to hear back from. Mm -hmm. So it probably inflates my sense of how many of them are actually, all of them, all of them have been inspired (laughs) and are, you know, but it probably inflates my sense of how many of them are actually going on to do that. Mm -hmm. But I do hear back, and we talked about this at the conference as well, from kids who, are at least thankful that they learned about learning and Mm -hmm. they learned about their own kind of metacognition and their own thoughts and um, you know are now able to sort of think about things differently than they were before whether they go on to major or not.
0: It's amazing how often I hear that from alum who say that one of the things they got from their psych major has nothing to do with their career necessarily but it's just how they think about themselves and how they think about other people in their lives and
1: i can't remember if it was you or someone else that i was having this conversation with the other day or yesterday but i think that there's a reason why psychology people get along so well with psychology people like why (laughs) can we are this bonded group of people who are supportive and are going to conferences together and are doing all of these things because we understand people Mm -hmm. and we and i think by the nature of that we're just good people
0: right I agree. So, yeah. so uh, before we, we switch, so the plan for today is for me to spend some time interviewing yeah. you and then to switch uh, and have you interview me for a little while. Um, before we get to that, though, I want to hear about the, uh, so what gave you the idea for the podcast, and and uh, what are your plans for it as you go forward?
1: That's, I would love for someone to answer both of those questions <laughs> for me. Um, I tend to get big ideas mm-hmm. and then generally have no idea how to execute them but try to figure it out. Um, And so I listened to a zillion podcasts, Mm -hmm. yours being one of them, both of them, the Psych and Stuff and All the Rage. Um, And I um, thought this could be this really fun thing to do to promote high school psych, to um, get my students to hear stories of people that... um, are out there doing psychology in ways that they did not think you could do mm-hmm. psychology. And that's a big one for me. And I haven't quite gotten to that point with they get only having done three episodes. Right. But I want them to hear from people out in the field that are not um, clinical, you mm-hmm. know, because I think that they need to hear that. And then I'd like my students to do some takeover of this as yes. well yeah. with the things that they're learning and putting together kind of episodes Um, as well, um, we have the rat lab, um, getting a rat lab coming up and I definitely want the students to be doing some podcasting Mm -hmm. related to that as well
0: yeah i would I can tell you honestly, I would love to hear that sort of thing I, I would I love getting students in on episodes, and I think it would be really fun to hear your students and kind of how they're thinking about stuff so yeah, I think
1: that sounds way more fun. No one wants to listen to me all the time well, i do. you know yeah. I, I like to listen to me too, okay. but you know not everyone right. there was a second part to your question. I've already forgotten it
0: do you remember Shayla? why why
1: did i why did oh, I do it and and
0: where you want to go with it? Oh yeah, so I
1: answered both parts Good. Yeah. I did it okay, yeah, nice so work. I think that's. Um, that's kind of the plan and I don't expect it to be, you know, um, I don't expect it to take off or anything like that, but I don't, I don't really care. That's not really, it's just kind of a fun thing to do. I love talking.
0: So, you know, I've always said about this too, that even if no one listened, it's still, I'm spending, you know, 30 minutes talking to a really interesting person about something really interesting and fun. And I'm fine with that.
1: Do you have dream people to interview? Like, if you if you could, like, pick? Because I, I have dream
0: people. I've, I've got one. Okay. I'm even hesitant to say oh, it. Okay, you don't have to. No, I, I'll, I'll bring it up. Okay. It's, it's Albert Bandura. I would Ooh, really, that really would like that be fabulous. To, I, I had dinner with him once um, a few years ago. Uh, my friend, uh, well, Regan Grung. You know Regan? Yeah, I do know Regan. Um, and I had dinner with him at MPA in, in Chicago and Mm-hmm. And uh, fascinating, fascinating conversation. I would love to uh, to talk to him. So That would be awesome. Yeah. Who is yours?
1: Uh, I would really love to talk to David Myers, um, mm-hmm. and for so many reasons. But I think what a neat opportunity for my students to mm-hmm. hear their textbook author as a real person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really, really love to talk to Stephen Chu. Uh, yes. After Stephen Chu, I think that, again, like his principles of how we learn, um, that's what I want my kids to walk away with. So the opportunity to sit right. down and talk to him would be Really fabulous.
0: That would be great. Very good. All right. Anything before we switch? Okay. Anything else you want to tell people or you want to say to people?
1: Oh, goodness. I, anything else you want to ask? I don't know.
0: Oh, Shayla, do you want anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting our intern on the spot. Okay. Sorry. All right.
1: So, High School Psych for Life so far in our 3 episodes has kind of been focused on how taking high school psychology has sort of influenced you later. And we were talking just a few minutes ago that that wasn't even an option in your school.
0: No. Yeah, so I never took high school psychology. I um I went to college with the you didn't ask my origin story, but I'm going to quick give it to you. I'd love to. Hear um, like that. So, I went to college with the uh, with the plan of being a math major. I loved math and uh, I was going to be a math teacher when I graduated um, and I really was excited about that and Part of it was that math in college was harder than math in high school was for me, um, and, and I realized some of that has to do with had to do with a great teacher in high school, um, as is often the case, where you, you learn to love things because you had a really good teacher, and um, and it just didn't translate for me. And so uh, I was, which is not to say, by the way, that I don't still love math. I do. I just it's a different kind of math now, right? I love statistics, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, I took psychology my third term we were in the trimester system and so it was the like the end of my first year of college and felt right away this is what i want to do um and had that sort of similar experience that we've kind of heard a couple times today of just like this is and it was a sense of i don't know what to do with it i don't know what i'm going to do with it but i know that this is what i want to study um and it, it spoke to me in ways other classes didn't and so i um uh decided at uh, took uh, decided to major in psych criminal justice minor the plan was to go on and be a counseling psychologist i i did that um and then but uh, during my graduate program discovered how much i loved teaching and kind of went full circle back to the original plan only instead of teaching math i decided to teach psychology and so the high school piece wasn't really there for me, but I had that same experience just a year later. But I was pretty immature as a college student, so it's almost like I took it in high school.
1: So. I think most yeah. people are pretty, okay. still pretty okay. immature as college students. So. Good, good. Um, what areas of psychology are you most interested in, and where has that led you to as far as research? And what would you want my high school students who are going to mm-hmm. listen to this to know about your research?
0: Yeah, so I, um, it's funny, you know, I, you mentioned having a a social psych class in high school, I actually didn't take social psychology until graduate school, that that wasn't a course I took in, in undergrad. And it's sort of funny to me, because I really think that had I taken it, I would have fallen in love with it. And, Um, and would have wanted to go on and study that. And so I'm a counseling psychologist. Uh, That's what I do. But I do think in my heart what resonates most with me is a lot of social psychology. Um, And and that ends up being a lot of who I study because as an emotion researcher, a lot of emotion researchers have been social psychologists. And and so I end up studying a lot of that. Um, You know, I think – so I'm an anger researcher, as you know, and I've been – that's where a lot of my passion lies. And I do think that, um, or I'm, I'm personally really interested in that. I understand that that isn't necessarily for everyone. But I do think what, when I think about the framework that I use to study anger, I think can be broadened out to study emotion in general and to think about how and why people feel things. And I think it's that that information is valuable to anyone and everyone. It's valuable in the workplace. It's valuable as an educator. It's valuable as a parent. It's valuable as a friend. Um, to really have a good understanding of of that of why and how people feel things and how we influence the way other people feel things, that's really important. And so that's kind of the thing that I always want to leave students with is to understand um, to understand emotion in that way.
1: How did you discover that you were interested in anger?
0: So, <laughs> yes. So I come from a relatively angry household. Um, so much so, and it's funny because when I say that, I think sometimes people get uncomfortable and like, like, oh, this got serious. And but it 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 shouldn't be interpreted that way because we were also a very like loving household. It, there was it was a very funny household. There were a lot of <laughs> um, it was a really fun place to grow up, but my father and actually all of the the men in my family were sort of jokes it was often joked about them having the martin temper and so it was just something that i i tell people I, I do the same thing now that i did when i was a kid which is trying to figure out are you mad and if so why are you mad right and um and that's the same thing i've been doing since i was four years old um but I think when I went when I was in college, I got a job working at um, a shelter for at-risk adolescents, and I think I discovered early on, or I felt like many of them um, could benefit from being able to express their anger differently, and so. At the time, I was still interested in being a counseling psychologist, and I wanted to work with adolescents, and I thought, well, this is a thing I can study. Um, it resonates with me personally, but also with my sort of desire to help a lot of these kids. I will admit, in retrospect, one of the things I've discovered is that those kids had an awful lot to be mad about, and they were right to be mad, uh, many of them. Um, it still wasn't the healthiest way of expressing it, but I I, I feel differently now uh, about the uh, about who, who owned that problem.
1: No, it's interesting that you say that because I was just reading and Of course, now that I'm thinking of it, I can't remember who it was by. But I was just reading some research that talked about the value of not um, not saying we're going to try to get rid of your anger or get rid of your sadness or your depression or your loneliness because those, those are feelings we need to feel, mm-hmm. but how to process them and how to work with them. Yep.
0: Yeah. And that's a, a thing I, I like to, to preach about anger and about emotions in general is that they're adaptive and valuable. Um, the key is to to know how to use them, and that it's not about I mean, you know. I'm okay with people talking about anger management, provided what they mean is um, learn to express your anger in adaptive, helpful ways. If the idea is well you need to feel less anger, sometimes I think that shouldn't be the goal. Sometimes I think there's plenty to be mad about, and it's just about using that anger in a way that's adaptive and and helpful.
1: So what? I always like to ask for anyone who's teaching, you know, who's actually in the game of teaching psychology in some way, um, what what is your day you most look forward to? Whether it be in your intro classes, mm-hmm. you t- you do teach intro, don't you? you? Know,
0: I haven't for a very long time, so, so yeah, yeah. I should have done my research. That's either. okay. No, um, uh, it's been honestly fifteen years I wow. think, since I taught intro psych. So okay. I haven't taught it ever at GB. I did not know that. Yeah, that's right. So
1: let's start with what courses you are teaching.
0: I teach research methods. I teach um, abnormal psych. I teach psych of emotion, which is a course I created here. Um, I teach a capstone on anger and violence. Um, I used to teach theories of personality for a long time. So um, as far as the days I most look forward to. Right. So I've already answered this in some ways. but So I actually added a section on anger to Abnormal because it's not in the textbook in any kind of real way. And so that's always one that I have fun and I think students would like. Um, so, so for research methods, I do something a little different than um, some other people that I have a whole series um, called What Good Scholars Do. And they're these short little between 10 and 15 minute uh, kind of semi-unrelated to other things in the, that we're talking about in the class. But there are things like good scholars don't trust their memories. Good col- good scholars um, don't plagiarize, right? Good scholars, uh, you know, and it's this this series about they have problems with our dissemination model or, or things like that. And um, and then I, I really like talking about those because it takes us out of, I mean, I love the nitty-gritty... Research methods, like this is how you design an experiment. I love that stuff, but I also like to stop and reflect on big picture things, like, like why there's a replication crisis and where that may have come from, and um, how we can address some of those problems and things like that. And so, those are the those are the topics that I really love.
1: I like talking about the replication crisis with my students as well, mm-hmm. because it it almost always comes up. They don't know it as the replication crisis right. necessarily, but they do know that oh, well, I hear psych isn't really a science, or yeah. it's a social science, or isn't it a soft science? You know, like they mm-hmm. they want to ask me things like that and to talk about how when you're studying people and when the world is constantly changing, mm-hmm. not everything's going to replicate right. 50 years later or 30 years later because we're not who we were 30, right. 40 years ago.
0: When, and it's funny to me. I was thinking about this during Jane's talk a little bit uh, ago and in, in that, you know – when she said some of the things that used to be truths are not truths anymore, that's every science, right? I was I mean, thinking about
1: that too, you know? Every science yeah. changes, and yep. every science, you know, gathers new information. And, and yeah, there I was, completely agree. There
0: was a time when we thought there were four elements, right? <laughs> there was a time when we thought the Earth was the center of the solar system, and then we discovered we were wrong. And uh, we and, admitted it yeah, and, and
1: moved on. Yep. Yeah.
0: And, and that's what psychology has done, but for some reason we're not allowed to, the same way other, other sciences are.
1: So you're saying that, though, in your in kind of your favorite day, mm-hmm. it's a day that you're sort of like stepping out of the normal routine?
0: Yeah, and talking about some of these big picture issues that I think students don't. I like to make sure students are taking what we're talking about and applying it or thinking about it in this big picture scenario and thinking about, like, you know, we still use the same dissemination model, meaning the same publication model, that we have been using forever, right? Where you submit to a journal and it's peer-reviewed, right? So the editor sends it out and then they send it back with feedback and then it gets published eventually or not. And we don't have to do it that way anymore. Like there's other systems in place. We have technology that allows us to do things differently and, and, and do things quicker and to collaborate more and to think about science in a different way. There's this amazing TED Talk uh, about opening science. I think it's called Open Science Now. And it's about, he tells this amazing story about a uh, a mathematician who put a problem up uh, what people had thought was an unsolvable problem on a blog and said, let's work together and solve this. And people from all over the world got in on it and started doing this. Other math professors, people who were math hobbyists and and so on. And they, and I can't remember the time frame, watch the talk, it's brilliant. Um, They solved it. And like, we have opportunities to collaborate in those ways, and we don't do it because we're sort of stuck thinking about things in a in an old school way. Um, so I like to talk to students about the importance of, of trying to do things differently.
1: I, I also teach AP research, mm-hmm. and so um, that's kind of a cycle that we get into in AP research of, you know, Um, Did you click peer-reviewed? Well, does it always have to be Mm peer-reviewed? And what happens if we're using something that's not? And what are the cases? There are cases when that's okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you're not necessarily just looking from a scholarly journal database and and why those other things are acceptable in some cases. And um, they have been very trained to just go that route as well.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Fantastic. Um, I would like to know what you hope college students – Mm-hmm. who are going to become psych majors, what skills you'll hope they have when they
0: come to you? When they come to us? Wow. Oh, that's a good question. Okay. I wasn't ready for it. Um, you know, I think that... So it's less about content for me. Um, that And, you know, it's less about um, knowing particular things from, say, an intro psych course and things like that. And more about, and you use the word skills, but doing partic- being able to do mm-hmm. particular things. And so... You know, what I want for stu- for students at that stage is um, to have a, a, a general kind of uh, knowledge of research and ability to, to think critically in that mm-hmm. way and have those sort of uh, research skills. Um, but also, you know, and this might be an unorthodox answer, but I want students to be able to tolerate ambiguity. I want them to be okay with the fact that we don't always have the answers and that sometimes the answers are contextual and that's okay. And we're, what, what matters most is not the answers, but sometimes it's that journey and that process and figuring them out. And um, you know, we, again, just going back to the, the talk we were just at, she mentioned the APA Learning Goals 2.0 and the APA Learning Goals 3.0 that are coming out. Well, in the APA 1.0, Tolerance for ambiguity was a learning outcome, and I always loved that. Um, I, and I wish it were still there. So, if they're listening, as you're framing the APA <laughs> learning goals 3.0, I would like tolerance for ambiguity to be back.
1: You, so. You've let it be known. Yes. Yeah. You put it out there to the universe.
0: Yep. Exactly. Your mom knows how I feel.
1: Right? <laughs> Not even my my son. My mom can't. Oh, she she that's couldn't right, figure right. out right. iTunes, so it's just it didn't happen. Um, I think high school teachers are in a bit of a crisis. In that, crisis might be a strong word, but in that we are struggling, and maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just having this crisis and no one else is, but struggling to find the balance between how much, you know, skill do I teach, how to effectively read a scientific textbook, how to take notes, how to write scientifically, how to critically think about scientific material versus, like, learn this content, pass this test, you know, and there – it's difficult to try to determine – and it also um, limits some kids then mm-hmm. who, who might have gotten into psychology and enjoyed psychology. Um, they, they, it might scare them too, yep. you know. And so there's – or um, be prepared to go to college and take this test without a retake. But mm-hmm. we're being – you know, it's, it's tricky. And it's this sort of like minefield of, of um, trying to navigate it as yep. a high school teacher. Are you now someone up in the talk earlier mentioned this and so mm-hmm. this is why I bring it up before we kinda end, is that they said that the the idea of this, you know, fail and try again attitude that the high mm-hmm. schools are are adopting more and more right. is leading to problems at the college level. Are you seeing that same thing? So, so I haven't
0: noticed them as much as some of my colleagues have. And so I don't in that so I, I trust that they're there, but I it's not something that I've experienced the same way. Do you way. think
1: though because you're teaching more upper level courses, that's, that could be?
0: That's what I wonder. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the person who brought it up tends to teach you know, statistics and yeah. courses that students take in their first year uh, here. And so um, so I, I suspect that's more of an issue at that stage. And if I were teaching intro, I might feel differently. I will say we're having a similar, for us, it's I wouldn't call it a crisis, though it, I would call it a debate about content versus skills. And I am solidly in the skills. Side of this, um, and and I w- would put the plug in and say I think we all should be in the skills side of this. Obviously, I'd say that, um, but because first of all, the content is out there, right? It's mm-hmm. it's
1: it's Googleable. Yeah, right? and,
0: You know, and and it always has been in some form, but you know, now that now that it's Googleable, we don't we don't have control over that the same way we once did, and that's good. That's a good thing, but. Then it's really. I mean, I think the most important skill that exists right now, uh, or that around right now, is is um, info literacy and and being able to know the stuff you're talking about. Like, is this source reliable? Is it good? Whether it's peer reviewed or not, is it a good source? And you know, those are the types of things that I think people need to be able to do. And we're really good at that. And, and so we need to make sure that our our majors are really good at that too. Um, and I think there's a lot of skills that um, psychologists. There's a reason why our students do so well when they graduate, and it's because they're getting a lot of these what people call the soft skills. But there's a, a lot of these things that they're really good at. We just haven't done a great job of explaining to students that they're good at them and about how to communicate that.
1: Or and, just and, that term, like you yeah. said, like we're calling them soft skills, like yep. they're they're lesser in some yes. way. When in actuality, every single job on earth. Is right. using those same yep. skills, you know. It's the content that yep. comes secondary, you know, in every single job. Yes. Yep. So, my, my
0: my wife and I talk about this all the time. She works for a, a business in town, and, and she uh, she's in an HR. And she said, uh, we "We're talking about." It, I said, "You know, there's like this intangible X factor that good employees have, that good leaders have, and whoever can figure out what that thing is and how to to teach it." is, and that is all, and I'm convinced that we're doing that. I'm convinced that we have students who have that intangible X factor that will make them good no matter what they do when they graduate. It's just we're not very good at communicating what that is and and how it's valuable. Um, And we just, we need to figure that out.
1: I agree. It was interesting earlier when they were talking about, um, it was your talk, what is it your talk? No, I'm confused. Curiosity. where we had intelligence at the top oh, of yes. the was that yes. your talk this yep. morning, um where they had an intelligence at the top of the list yep. of um things sure. that are our best students, yep. it bothered me, it like got to me, yep. you know because it's saying that intelligence then is must be fixed right. I, I guess it may and i don't I don't yep. buy into that
0: so. yeah, it was this so this finding that. That what, when people rate their best ever students, mm-hmm. they would say that their best – most of them said, 52% said that intelligence was their best quality. And it always struck me as, as a weird finding too.
1: For, 52%? Yeah. Like, I always tell my students, like, my best students, you guys, are going to be the ones that come to me when they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like –
0: Yeah. Like a willingness to be vulnerable. Yeah, to be like, hey, I didn't
1: get this, and I need to learn it. Like, those are my best students, Mm -hmm. you know, who are willing to come forward and, like, be like, hey, I got to learn this. You know, Mm -hmm. can you help me in some other way? Um,
0: My favorite question that a student has ever asked in class is that I described something. I don't remember what we were describing. I described something, and she raised her hand, and she very, very kindly said, could you explain that concept in a different way, and it like it was just a nice sort of refreshing. Sort of, I admit that I don't understand this, and I don't think you saying it the same way is going to help. So, is there another way you can say it? And that's a there's a willingness to be vulnerable there that I actually don't see from very many students. That I really appreciate it.
1: I was reading. Was it? It was Dana Dunn who put out that article about um, in Psychology Today about uh, the blog post about students not coming in for office hours. Oh, you know, I haven't read this yet. Uh, it was good. Yeah. It was really good. And talking about you know the high school's role in, in that as well. And um, he and I, just back and forth through social media, were talking just about how uh, my school has office hours. We call it remediation time. We have time in the middle of our school day when kids can come in and get help. Um, so essentially it's office hours and right. how – we're trying so hard to get kids to, to do that self-advocation, but it's so hard.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yep, I've been to a lot of talks about advising lately um, that sort of s- say something similar to that. That you know, we we've got to be find ways to be more proactive about advising students and kind of catching them before that, because we can't always count on them to to advocate for themselves that way. It's just just and so we've got to find ways to encourage them to do that.
1: I could talk all day, but I yeah. know that
0: we shouldn't. So so where can people find you?
1: So a lot of different places, but um, I, I haven't set up a lot of separate media for the podcast, but I do have an email address, highschoolpsychforlife at yahoo.com. But I have um, a classroom Twitter, Kennedy, AP Psych, uh, for Twitter, and um, again, my name is Dana Malone, and I have my more kind of personal Twitter account under that name that I never ever really use. <laughs> uh, most of the stuff goes out on my Kennedy page, um, but that would be probably the best way to get a hold of me. What about you? Uh,
0: my personal Twitter is—I mean, or my work Twitter, I guess. I don't separate the two, I guess, but it's Rycmart. Rycmart. Um, it's All the Rage blog on Facebook. If you want to follow my anger research. Psych and Stuff is at Psych and Stuff on Twitter and Psychology and Stuff on Facebook. Probably should be the same for both, but it's not for some reason. So there you go. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So – um, I've got a couple of people to thank before we finish up here. I okay. wanna thank you, obviously, for being at Epic. You're so
1: much better at this than I am. I <laughs> never think to thank people. I <laughs> see a, I'm learning here. Yeah. Okay. No, I wanna thank I you. I would for, like to thank you. Oh, awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, thanks for being at Epic a second year in a row. This is awesome to have you here in the crew from Does Iowa. that mean
1: we're gonna see you at ITOP this I year? Hope so. Iowa what, Teachers in Psychology 6? April fifth, no, I Somebody. believe.
0: The December 1 was the Milwaukee thing, yes. Yeah. Well, Everybody, Milwaukee's cool,
1: too. Go, yeah. Head to Milwaukee as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think we're, we're the April one. So. That would be
0: pretty rad. OK. Putting that in my we're mind. We're going to
1: have Sue France out um, speaking about um, tech and doing a great keynote and a breakout session. So nice. we're really looking forward to that. Oh,
0: that sounds awesome. Cool. I also want to say thank you to our producer, Kate Farley. I want to say thank you to our intern, who's right here, who's been working all day on a Saturday. Thank you, Shayla Warren. Appreciate it. And I want to thank our podcast artist, Kimberly Vlis.
1: I, I don't have as many thank yous. I <laughs> thank you again, Ryan, for having me out. And um, your recording space is much fancier. and You know, your microphones are very fancy, and I have to kind of yell at my computer just to get it to pick ah. up the sound. Um, so I'm learning here kind of how to go about this maybe in a better way. But um, I hope my students listen, because I think that they're going to get a lot of good stuff out of this. Um, and I haven't been forcing them to listen, so we'll see if they're actually out there doing it.
0: Thank you. Thanks.